you for that and he did give his life for mine I am um, each of the services that we we have in a week is important you know of course the Sunday school class which is a, a teaching time and trying to am I on here or am I okay can you hear it Okay, I just, maybe it's uh, the monitors. I just a little bit different. But each each service that we have is to, should be distinct and 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 important for that reason. You know, the truth is is to have a balanced diet. You have to have, you know, you got to have me. I got to have some meat. Okay, uh, preferably barbecue. Um, <laughs> but I got to have some meat, and uh, I got to have some ribs. That's uh, pointed at somebody that remembers that. I came over one day and Brother Jackson was making ribs. And I said, come on now. But I haven't seen any yet. So, uh, but, uh, you know, you got some vegetables and you're going to have, uh, you know, you might have a dessert. You know, you're going to have, you're going to have a balanced meal. You're going to have some different things that, that you have to have. And, you know, Sunday morning primarily, honestly, is what you'd call evangelistic but it's also a service where we have to try to balance out uh, a lot of different people who are in a lot of different stages of their spiritual life. Uh, more people come Sunday morning than any other service, uh, by and large. And so we're, we're coming, and we've got 
a variety of people here. Some have been in church all their life. Some have been in this church all their life. And some have not been in church very much at all in their life. And, and so there's got to be a kind of a balance of, of things that, that are said. And, and honestly, usually have to pull back a little bit in, uh, in how it's said and terminology and things like that to make sure that everybody understands. Now, that's not a criticism. Uh, we all had to start someplace. Uh, you know, when I walked into to church that, that first day as, as a police officer out in Kyrieville, Tennessee at 23, 24 years of age, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, most of the terminology I just didn't understand, and even the books of the Bible I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was in the Bible, what wasn't. I really didn't know anything, but, you know, thank God a lot of people were patient with me, and God was patient with me, and I got to grow. Amen? And so that's what we want. Now, well, Sunday night, you have what generally is what you'd call your core people, excuse me, your core people that'll come back Sunday night. And, uh, and forgive me the terminology, but generally that's a little bit more maturity in the Christian life where they say, come back and tell me what I need to know. And I don't mean knowledge. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I need to change. It's called, it's, it's the, again, the balance of the Christian life. Uh, it, it says in the scripture, the scripture is given sometimes for admonishing, but also sometimes for rebuke even. Uh, the truth is we got to be corrected. And, and I preached about that last, uh, last week, I think, maybe last Sunday night. And so the fact is, is that that's kind of that service where you, you kind of say, okay, everybody, hopefully we're, we're here tonight because we're mature enough to understand I need to grow if I'm going to go anywhere for God. I need to grow. Grow as my family. Grow with my, my, as, a, as a, a husband or a wife. Grow in my relationships. Grow in my service for God. I've got to learn, and in order to learn, somebody's got to tell me something. Somebody's got to look at me and eyeball and say, uh, hey, that needs to change. And that's not being done in the church anymore. It's not being done much anymore at all. Now, now just whether you like it or not, it's going to be done here because that's the way I taught my children. I loved them enough to tell them if they were messing up so they didn't hurt themselves so they could have a better life. And then it comes to Wednesday night, and Wednesday night is honestly your Bible study time is when we, we grow in knowledge of the Word of God. You know, knowledge is good, but here's, here's the error that we're making. Most people just, forgive me, just go to church on Sunday morning and want knowledge, but the Scripture says ever increasing in knowledge but never able to come to the understanding of truth. You see, we can fill our heads with, the, with biblical information, but if we don't get the truth in our hearts, that information has done us really very little good. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so there's a balance and there's a reason for each one of these services, and that's why there, there was an old preacher and, and man that he influenced uh, the nation uh, many years ago, and, and he kept preaching into his 90s. His name was, was Lee Robertson, and he always, his, his statement was three to thrive. And what he was saying was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you want to thrive, it takes all three. Just like a balanced diet is what it takes. Am I stepping on anybody's toes so far? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 say this, For the love of Christ 
constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth. That word constraineth, it's like compels us. People say, young, young men of God especially, they'll say, how do I know if I'm called? And I'll, and I'll say, uh, listen, when you know you're called is when you're compelled to do even what you don't want to do. When you must do it. When you, you just, you have to do it. Well, this says, for the love of Christ compels me. It constrains me. It compels me to, to do this. He says, because we thus judge. He said, why is it so important? Why does it compel me? Because, look, we judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, look, I, I've got to understand this is important. The love of Christ compels me because I'm dead. And I need Jesus Christ. Yeah. He says that he died for all that they which live should henceforth not live for themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. God's saying, well, again, he's saying it in different words, but he's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. If you love me, do what I say. And now I want you, if you, if you will, go to, to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Now, if I get hot and get going and, and I rip this jacket off, don't get anybody to get afraid, okay? It just may have to happen, though. But 1 Kings chapter 12, and I was going to read a bunch of verses here, but I'm not going to, but, but uh, I want you to go 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 12. We'll go there. Uh, this, if you know the, the Bible and you read some of these stories, you see that Jeroboam has, has now become the king and, uh, and he's, the people have come to him, the older people have said, you know what, Just you need to ease up on the people. You need to let the people know that you, you, you care about them. And, uh, and Jeroboam went, then went to the younger men and said, what do you say I should do? And they said, man, you ought to show them that you're even tougher than your father. Am I saying the wrong name here? <laughs> yeah, Rehoboam, yeah, sorry. The brain does that every once in a while, but thank you. But it's Rehoboam, and um, uh, Rehoboam is going to fight Jeroboam, but, but this is Rehoboam, the son of, of Solomon. So, uh, so if you look at, uh, and I guess the reason I was looking at it, because I was looking down, I was going to skip some verses. I got to verse 12, and verse 12 starts with Jeroboam. I think that's what happened to me. But, but it says in verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam. It, and it, basically, these are just a bunch of Boam boys, um, and it says, the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old man's counsel that they gave him and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy. I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. He's saying, you know, you think, you, you thought my father was tough, then Man, I'm, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be so much harder than he ever was. Now, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, I'm going to word prayer, and I'm going to talk to you about it, but it's, it's two forms of leadership. And, 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 I'm, and I did all that preliminary about the, the different services because this morning, this is going to be a little bit more of a Sunday night service because I don't get some of you here for Sunday night. So I've got to tell you now, all right? And so we got to hear this, but 
But it's two forms of leadership, leadership of love and leadership of intimidation. And so I'm going to uh, speak about this morning. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless Holy Spirit of God. I yield myself to thee. Dear God, you know that I don't want to ever slight you. I can do nothing. And Lord, sometimes in the busyness, sometimes in the running to and fro, in the going uh, to family and going, uh, Lord, uh, even in the preparation, sometimes we can just forget the most important thing. The most important thing is that we must be yielded to you. We must be, I must be yielded as a speaker. The people sitting in this room must be yielded to your spirit as, as hearers. And Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and I ask you please to fill me with thy presence and guide my words and my thoughts, Lord. I don't want to hurt anyone. I just want to help somebody. Please, Spirit of God, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Leadership of love and leadership of intimidation. Each form of leadership, I believe, desires the same results. Each form may get the same results at times. The fallacy is that one that it, it is one or the other type of leadership, and that's a little bit of a fallacy even in itself. But it's, it's, it's not one or the other. The truth is there's God blends these two forms of leadership. He blends these things. And, and when I'm talking this morning, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about leadership in the church. I'm talking about my form of leadership, my style of leadership. I'm talking about parenting leadership. I'm talking about teaching a class or, or, or any, anywhere you lead. And truth is, virtually everybody in this room, you lead somewhere somehow. And so it's not these forms of leadership both can be... Pre both forms of leadership can be properly used if understood. Leadership of love can be fully applied to, to the fully mature Christian. And I want you to understand, and hopefully we'll get this, but the fully mature Christian is driven by leadership of love. That's why, God, why Christ came to the point of saying, if you love me, fully, full maturity in your love for him then you will keep his commandments. The truth is that maturity in love will drive you. Leadership of love will spoil, though, the immature. If it's all leadership of love, just like child rearing, if everything in your home is just, and by that, by love, I mean everything is, well, well let, let me coddle them and let, me, let, let everything slide and, because I'm loving them. No, let me tell you, you're spoiling them. Leadership of love will spoil the immature. The issue is not the results, but rather the positives and the pitfalls of each. And I, you're going to have to kind of listen intentionally as I get into this kind of laying the foundation. But how the two are used at times and blended throughout any relationship of leadership, that's the real issue. And how we've used these, these leadership of love, leadership of intimidation. Jude, just to prove to you that God blends these two. Jude chapter, well, it's only one chapter. Jude, verses 22 and 23 say this, And if some have compassion, the love. Of some, you have that heart and compassion. 
making a difference. He said, but in others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. He said, you know, some you can reach with love. Mature ones you can reach with love because they understand the love. But he said, you know, the immature ones, he said, you got to let them know there's a hell. And you got to let them know that there's, there's punishment for going against the will of God and the word of God. He said there's something out there that if you run into it, uh, it's going to hurt if you keep going the direction you're going. Leadership of intimidation demands results. Uh, though, Just as the title implies, intimidation uh, gets the results, uh, fear of rebuke maybe, or condemnation or retaliation or even embarrassment. These are tools that are, are used in leadership of intimidation. You say, how can that ever be right? I, I'm not saying that, that, that the misuse of these things is right, but I'm saying there's got to be a little bit of fear in love. Leadership of intimidation brings results as long as the intimidation is present. You understand, if you're, if as a leader, if you perform because I'm watching you, even in the church, that's immaturity. Leadership of intimidation brings results and equates results with spirituality. Leadership of intimidation is leadership based on pressure. Always pressure. Pressure to perform. Pressure to please. Pressure to appease. Leadership of intimidation leaves the follower feeling insecure and unfulfilled if they ever come up short of leadership's expectation. You always live unfulfilled. You always live like, have I done enough? Is he pleased with me? And some Christians struggle right here because they, they think that's all God is. I've got to perform for God, and man, I failed again today, so God's unhappy with me. God's not pleased with me because, hey, watch this. God knows you are human, all right? He knows that. So on the other hand, leadership of love does not expect less. It expects devotion to the cause because real love is reciprocal. When we understand through maturity how much God loves us, God says in maturity, I want to love him back. Leadership of love brings peace to the follower who therefore can strive for results in peace. Leadership of love brings results even when the source of love is not physically present. You understand that Christ is not present physically with us right now, but if those who love him want to please him even though he's not present. Amen. And when you love the leader that you're working for, the truth is you work harder when he's not there. Amen. Leadership of love brings results even when the source of love is not physically present. Leadership of love sees the relationship with each other and with God as spirituality. Leadership of love is leadership based on principles, not pressure. Leadership of love leaves the follower feeling, in, uh, feeling secure, fulfilled, for the relationship is more important than the performance. Leadership of love expects nothing, so everything is a bonus. The sad results of each leadership, though. 
Leadership of intimidation gets results, at least for the present, but it will fail when leadership is not present and often ends, listen to this, with someone who wants no part of the church, the organization, or even the family because they lived under intimidation. That's not what this church is, and I, my dream is not what it's going to be. I don't want people performing purely out of fear. I don't want that. Leadership of love, don't listen to this. There's a, there's a problem here, though. Leadership of love often gets taken advantage of. As the follower lits up because he was performing through external pressure, which is no longer present. And so if he's been performing all this time out of external pressure, and now that pressure's not present, folks, do you understand? This is why we have young people, we grow up in our home, and everything seems good, and then 18, 19, 20 years old, they go off, and, and, and they go away from everything that we ever dreamed, everything we want to want, because they were performing up to that point, and now the pressure is not there. They, they're free, they're out, and so they no longer have the pressure, and so they, boom, they go and do, they rebel. They go against everything that they've been taught. They just simply don't know what to do with this newfound freedom. The answer. The answer is understanding what love really is and that true love will have a little fear and a lot of respect included in that love. True love always brings forth obedience. Amen. And folks, whether you can understand where I'm going or not, but... but if today in your home, you got to, you got to evaluate your children. If they're, if they're 12, 13, 14, and man, they're performing, you got to really get to their heart. And I'll tell this to, young, uh, to husbands, or I mean to fathers and mothers all the time. You got to have their heart. You got to, you got to have a relationship with them. You got to have communication with them. In order for you to actually find out why are they doing what they're doing, because if they have been performing because of intimidation, purely intimidation, let me help you. There's going to come a day when they suddenly have freedom, and when they escape and they have freedom, they're going to do all kinds of things just because they're free. They need to understand that the things that we, we love them enough to teach them why we are doing what we're doing. We love them enough to, to lead them to, to righteousness and to holiness because it's good for them. I had my, my daughter, my fifth daughter, she was a senior in high school, and she came to the point she was going to, uh, there was the last couple of days of school, and I may have told the story already, but she was, she, uh, uh, was uh, going to have they they were going to have an unofficial senior skip day, and uh, and she had asked to be able to stay home that day uh, from school and and uh, because we had we had been out to about two o'clock in the morning making a CD and we barely got back in town and we got in town and she said Dad I finished all my tests I finished everything they're just goofing off at school you know and I said well you don't have to go just stay home sleep get some rest I wish I could. 
And, uh, and so I got a phone call during the, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and, a, and the assistant principal said, has said, Brother Hooker, do you know where your daughter is? And I said, well, sure I do. And he said, he said well, they're having an unofficial, you know, uh, unsanctioned skip day. The, all the seniors, they've all gone out to some park and said, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but they were supposed to be at school. They've all just booked. They're all just doing, and there's no chaperones. There's no teachers. There's nobody out there. He said, so we're calling all the parents uh, to make sure you know where your child is. And I said, hey, man, I know where my daughter is. And I hung up the phone and called home. And I, I called, it rang about three times, and, and, uh, and Amber answered, and she said, hello, kind of groggy, and I said, Amber, where are you? And she said, where did you call, Dad? And I said, oh, yeah. I, uh, I called home, and, uh, and I said, Amber, did you know there's a skip day today? And she said, yes, Dad, I did. I said, Amber, uh, uh, how come you didn't go? She said, oh, Dad, that's what everybody's been asking me. Why aren't you going, Amber? Why aren't you going? And I said, well, what'd you tell him? She said, Dad, I'm going to tell him what I'm going to tell you. I said, what? I, said, I, I looked at him and said, come on, y'all. You know my dad. You know, there's a little bit of fear there. Amber loves me to death. I believe, and I love that girl. But she knew if she's going to mess up, not because I'm angry, because I fear that she's going to hurt herself. That she knows I'm going to correct her. And that correction brings a little bit of physical into it. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses, uh, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 says, And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Look, God is, is challenging us to, to live for him. He said, look, I died for you. Shouldn't you live for me? 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 says, But this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. God says, if you really love me, He said, if you understand my love, He said, you'll do what I tell you to do. And folks, Christianity is more than sitting in a church on Sunday morning. I told you this is a Sunday night sermon, all right? Could somebody smile at me just for a moment? It'll show me that you're at least awake. What's the conclusion? There's a little difference in what we should do. The real issue is why do we do it? When what we do is because of external pressure, we live in fear and torment and the yoke is heavy. When it's always about external pressure, it's always about what somebody's going to think. It's always about, is somebody going to be upset at me? Is it always about, is God going to be disappointed with me? Is God going to punish me? Is God going to, you know, man, is God going to, you know, turn all the blessing off from me? Is God going to take uh, my wife away from me? Is God going to do, no, that's, that's immaturity seeking to serve God. When we do the same things, but we do them from internal desire, we find peace and the yoke is light. Amen. The work we do, the commands that we keep, do not determine the, wake of the, the weight of the yoke. Understand this. The work we do and the commands that we keep do not determine the weight of the yoke. Our heart's desire and relationship with God and with leadership determines the weight of the yoke. I want you to please forgive me, but 
when we have been under external pressure and the work of the Lord has become grievous and heavy, the instinctive thing to do when the pressure is removed is to do less. But truthfully, this is when we have the opportunity to mature and to do because of our heart condition rather than external pressure. I used to take college students in the in their early days, all the ministries, they'd run these contests. And I mean, some of the contests and things they would do, if you, if you ran a bus route and you won the contest, man, they may take you on a trip to Alaska. I mean, they took, they took some pretty incredible trips. I, I went on a couple of them. I went snow skiing in Montana. I mean, amazing the amount of money they'd spent to just the winners of the, of the trips. Now, I never won them. They just wanted me because I was fun. They would. They'd just come and say, hey, Hook, we got an extra space. We need you to go. And they knew that I would make the bus a party. <laughs> and I would cheat at every game. And so uh, <laughs> now fact is, is that uh, they, they, they did all this. Now I took, I had the, the military ministry, sailor ministry, and, and I started out doing the same thing. And you know what I found? My guys stayed at the same level all the way to their senior year. They performed for what they got. What's the reward? What's the prize? And I finally came to the conclusion. I told them, I said, fellas, my prizes and my rewards are going to go to the freshmen, maybe the sophomores, because, you know, they're young and they're immature and they need something to teach them they can do a little bit more than they think they can, that they can go a little bit further, that they can, they can drive themselves a little bit more. They need that because in their immaturity, that's all, you know, that's where they are in life. They need something that says, hey, do this. And, and man, you're going to win this. You're going to get this. You're going to get to go here. Said, but fellas, when you get to your junior and senior year, do you understand you graduate and leave from here? Nobody's going to give you a present. Nobody's going to give you a gift for doing what you're supposed to do. It's not going to happen. I've been here about five months. Ain't nobody giving me nothing. <laughs> but my birthday's July 23rd. <laughs> now, the truth is, we got folks, we got to start growing in our spiritual maturity. And I understand in the early stages of immaturity, God says, you know what? I, look, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. You understand that? I, I found out there was a hell. And I got to die, and I can't stop dying. I don't want to go to hell, so I got saved. But what's that? If that should not, I shouldn't stay in that infancy stage of things. I got to grow from that and say, God, I'm maturing, and in, in the love that you've shown me, and the grace that you've shown me, and the mercy that you've shown me, and the goodness that you've shown me, God, I want to serve you because you're incredible. We got to grow, folks. And we got to, we, to mature, we got to get a balanced diet. And, and I'll say again, I'm not looking for a larger attendance 
Although, as we all know, the more people, the more people you can influence. So I would love for this place to be filled every service. But the fact is, is that for you, I beg you. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'm trying really hard to teach things that will help your life, your marriage, your home, your childering. I'm trying to teach things on Wednesday night that, that I, I would just dream for so many people to hear. I'm trying to teach things in my Sunday school. I told Brother Allen this morning, I spend as much or more time on my Sunday school class than I do on the sermon. And you probably realize that by the way I'm preaching the sermon. Because, look, we've got to get the knowledge, but along with the knowledge, we've got to get heart, and we've got to understand the love of God, and our love for Him should be that constraineth us, compels me, drives me. Lord, we are in a wicked world. I don't know what's going to come out of, of even to, today's. Get up first thing this morning, and, and last report I saw there's 50 killed in, in, in a homosexual bar down in Orlando, and they think it's a, a terrorist attack. But no matter whether it's a terrorist attack or not a terrorist attack, I'm sure even if it was one, they're going to try to shift it from away from that, another, whatever they're going to do. But the, but the fact is, is that more is going to come against us. Truth is, it's going to be the gun's fault, okay? It's going to be some attack against us because America's losing their rights, losing our, our freedom and by the moment. Listen, if we're going to make it through what we got to face and what our children got to face in the future, we got to grow out of this thing that I'm just performing an act. It's got to be a life. When we've been under external pressure and the work of the Lord has become grievous and heavy, the instinctive thing to do when the pressure is removed is to do less. But truthfully, this is when we have the opportunity to do because our heart condition rather than the external pressure. This is why our children often go away from all that we believe when they become an adult. They were performing from external pressure rather than from internal desire. This is why churches turn away from all conviction. I for years have fought to take the yoke off of people, to take the heavy yoke off of people, understanding that less may be accomplished initially, but more will be eventually be accomplished eternally for the work because us. We can transfer from doing work of wood, hay, and stubble to doing gold and silver and precious stone. And I want all to understand, I will not drive this church, but with God's help, I will lead it through the love of Christ that constraineth us. God says in Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Notice this. This is the balance. God says it's love that constrains you, but notice what he says there. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God, listen to this, our God is a consuming fire. 
God blends love and, God, and a godly respect, reverence, even fear of God, for he is God and we must answer to him one day. God knows what's best for us and he takes us and he says, if it's, if it's fear that's going to take you to do right, he said, I'll begin there, but I don't want you to stay there. I don't want you to be driven by fear. I want you to move into the being driven by love. Everyone that leads someone and everyone leads someone in some way and therefore everyone must understand that we must start with a level of fear as maturity comes we reveal more and more love for love is the ultimate motivator of the mature now god showed his love to to each of us and demonstrates that love to each of us God also expects us to live for him, tell others about him, submit to his commands. If we, listen please, if we are maturing in Christ, we will desire to find out how to please him more and more. Amen. As we mature in Christ, our heart says, God, how can I please you more and more? It's not, oh God, I, I'm afraid I'm displeasing you. Don't hurt me. Don't take away. Don't, no. Father, I know you love me. And because you love me, I want to please you more and more. And the more that my love grows for you, the more my understanding of that love grows for you, the more I want to please you. My last statement, when we, when we choose it because of the love we have in us, when Christ's love constrains us, then some who, even in this room, if you're struggling about following the Lord and believers' baptism, baptism becomes an act of maturing where you say, God, I'll do whatever you want. Going soul winning and visiting people on Saturday or any other time that we have it becomes an act of maturity. Handing out a tract becomes an act of maturity because there's, no, no, there's nobody. Now, I'm not walking around and I'm not checking how many tracks you pick up today because I want you to move past that. Nobody really sees if you're reading regularly your Bible. It's between you and God. Amen. Praying and attending church and, yes, even giving, well, what God has given you, all are acts that demonstrate we are maturing in the driving force of love. Why do we do what we do? I believe the ultimate leadership is a leadership of love where the primary driving force is love. That's my, my main desire in this church. That's been my main desire with my children. That's been my main desire in everything that I've ever run, everything I've over, I, I, I oversee. I, I want people to come to the point that they do what they do because of love. Because they love God. Amen. And they are, they are assured and confident in his love for them. You say, well, what happens when I mess up? You still know he loves you. His love has not changed. Maturity reveals that to you. You know, it's, listen, we just, you have to know somebody well enough to know that you can mess up and they still accept you. Did you know that's only, there's really only a handful of people in here that if I just have a really, really bad day, they're still going to accept me? 
Maybe it's not that many. <laughs> no. It's my wife, my father, my brother. They've seen me have some pretty rotten days. They still accept me. And you know what? I have a real confidence in that. Now, everybody else to different levels, how I know you and understand your love for me, I understand we're at different places on that. I, I, you may or may not accept me. I may have a really rotten day and you just say I'm done with him. And can you understand, though, our relationship with God doesn't change how he's going to respond to us as far as his love for us. Our relationship for him helps us be confident in his love. It's a leadership of love. Oh, leadership of love always starts, everything starts with a little bit of fear, a little bit of respect, because immaturity, that's the driving force. But as we mature, it's got to be love. A real maturity is love. And we're going to, I guess that must be the invitation song. <laughs> just play. Somebody just set an alarm and said, you done, man. <laughs> it's over. God bless you. All right. I don't, I really don't even know what to, to say this morning to you except that nothing I've said has been to hurt anyone. Everything I've said, I beg you, take it to heart in this fashion. Can studying the Bible, praying, coming to church more, is that going to hurt you? Think about it. Is, well, is that hurting you? So I must be trying to challenge you to help you. Because it will never hurt you. If the place that you're coming believes that the ultimate leadership is a leadership of love. And I don't have a lot of strengths and abilities, but I'm going to tell you this, that's me. It's a leadership of love. I will not drive you. I'll periodically understand that some are immature, and I don't mean that immature in your, your mentality. I'm talking about as a Christian, you've not come to the point where you're doing what you're doing because it's desire of my heart because of his love. And so I'll look at you and say, hey, you keep going where you're going, you're going to mess up your life. And I might even step on your toes a little bit, and I might get in your face a little bit because I love you enough, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want these young ones to get 18 and take off. I don't want that. I'm not sure what God might have spoken to your heart about, but if there's something, a loose end where you just kind of felt like 
I'm not sure I want to do that. And it might be baptism. It might be church membership. It might be trusting Christ. I want you to understand God loved you enough to die for you. And he asked of us to love him enough to live for him. But he asked us to do it because we love him. And he warns us, hey, if nothing else will get to you, I want you to understand if you don't, you're heading toward the fire because God's a God of cons- is a consuming fire. He said, but what I really want you to do is I want you to do it because you understand how much I love you. Father, I pray that you'd bless here this morning.